This episode is brought to you by our friends at Toyota. Toyota isn't just a car company. And the new podcast, Toyota Untold, isn't just about cars. In Toyota Untold, you'll hear unique and insightful behind-the-scenes stories, such as how a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origin as an automated loom company, and how robotics, other advanced technologies, and mobility services are being researched and developed to address the challenges for the elderly, disabled, and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Discover how Toyota is rethinking mobility in the brand new podcast, Toyota Untold. You can find Toyota Untold right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, now let's get back to the show. Coming up on today's edition of the Tomahawk Show, the Cardinals shock everybody by hiring Cliff Kingsbury as their head coach. Bruce Arians is back, and we also get some breaking Browns news in terms of who they're hiring as head coach, and we talk about it all. Plus, Eagles running back Jay Ajayi joins the show to talk about the legend of Nick Foles, the Eagles' Super Bowl run last year, and some similarities to it this year, and how his rehab is going. All that and more on this episode of The Tomahawk Show. Hey, it's Jason from Rhode Island, the only state with less NFL players that Hugh Jackson has wins. Just wondering if any of you guys could become the Seahawks OC so Russell Wilson can have someone competent. Hi, Joe Hawk yourself. Uh, just wanted to say I really connected with Joe's uh, consistency speech on the last episode. I'm a coffee barista out in Ohio, and I just wanted everyone to know that I'm going to be really consistent, and I'm not going to celebrate when I make that perfect espresso. And uh, just thank you guys, and Joe Hawk yourself. Uh, good morning. This is Agent Johnson of the IRS. Just calling to make a friendly reminder to Ms. Leist that uh, that coffee makers he receives will be taxable, and we do expect to see that on your tax return this coming year. Um, as always, we at the IRS are here to help, and uh, go hawk yourself. Welcome to the Tomahawk Show, presented by LeBron James's Uninterrupted Network. Please interact with our show by following us on social media at Tomahawk Show. Let me tell you something. The Tomahawk Show Twitter and Instagram is the best follow out on social media. Mm. Our meme team, although they don't get paid anything, they do an amazing job coming up with the best stuff out there. They always make me laugh. Uh, but make sure, if you want to interact with us, to hashtag Tomahawk. And as always, I'm not going to beg you the way Andrew Hawkins does, but what? please, 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 <laughs> rate us five stars, subscribe, and as always, hashtag Tomahawk. Hawk. How are you doing this morning? You know, Joe, I'm a little upset that I didn't get considered for a head coaching gig like everyone else. Um, I felt like I had the resume. I felt like with the Tomahawk, with the success that we've had over the last year, that somebody would have called us and gave us an interview, a sit down, even inquired about what our plans were in the coaching world, and it just didn't happen. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm a little upset. Do you know why? Yeah, it's funny because it, um, as because I was writing notes for the show, I thought the most interesting thing that was on my mind was apparently you have to be really, really young and good looking now to get a job as an NFL head coach. And that's like the primary resume builder that you need, Yeah, which instantly disqualifies us because right. I'm old and you're ugly. Yeah. So we Ugh. can't get the head coaching job anymore. I never would have. You're right. I, I forgot that it's like. The NFL is now like an IG account. It's like the IG system. Yeah. It's like, no, yeah. bro, you're not a fitness model. You can't, <laughs> you can't coach the Jets. <laughs> Look at you. It's the you social media years. influence. Yeah, I mean, you're right. If you don't have a killer 
IG page with great photoshopped images. Teams mm. just don't want you anymore. That's very true. That's very so, true. Which, which is because Bruce Arians fits all that description, obviously. <laughs> like, well, and then, of course, there's I think of Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are liable to just do whatever the hell they want. They have because, enough good-looking uh, people they in got Tampa. No clue. They don't care about their head coach being good-looking. Everybody else is good-looking in Tampa. You ever been to Tampa, Joe? <laughs> you ever, like, partied in Tampa? You know, I have. Actually, when we were in college, we played in the Outback Bowl, which was in Tampa, I think, twice. Yeah. And uh, I actually took a vacation down to, I think it's Clearwater Beach Yeah, Clearwater. Yep. Took my wife down there for Memorial Day. It was a lot of fun. It's a beautiful area, a lot of beautiful people. Um, it's a lot more low-key, I think, than Miami based on my uh, few visits that I've been down there. How about you? You ever been there? Yeah, I used to spend my whole off-season there, like three years. I spent my entire really? off-season in Tampa. A lot of good-looking people down there, man. A lot of good-looking people. Sun is great. They got a Browns backers bar down there with my jersey yeah. hanging up. So shout out to yeah. them. I don't even know what the name of the bar is. It's yeah. lost there, to me right now, but it's awesome. Make sure you visit. There, there's actually a, a Mission Barbecue in Tampa, but where where were you staying when you were training down there? I was in uh, South Tampa. I was okay. right in the thick. That's like, gets goes down in South Tampa, baby. But I was yeah. training that. Ybor Sports. City, man. That's a good place. To oh, yeah. Ybor City gets, yeah, you know, Tampa. So, yeah. So, that's a good segue into what we're talking about today. We got the head coaching carousel moving. It's going. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury, who is a member of the Tomaflock. He is the only coach who has ever uh, interviewed on the Tomahawk. But he's, he's a coach slash player because he's a former quarterback. But, yes, he is now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He was uh, let go by the Texas Tech. What is their mascot? Red Raiders? They are the Red Raiders. The Texas Tech Red Raiders. He took the USC offensive coordinator job, and now he will be the offensive mind that mentors Josh Rosen. I feel a couple of different ways about this. And number one being, again, I'm a big Cliff Kingsbury fan. Clear biased. I, and yes, we're super biased. but it's Clear fine. bias. I, I said that a long time ago. Like I, I just feel like the dude is really, really good with quarterbacks. And over time, the quarterbacks that he's kind of he's coached and he's, he's uh, mentored have done really well in the next level. So I think that that means something. I think he's going to do well in the Cardinals job. That being said, I do feel weird about Steve Wilkes only getting fi- getting one year at it and getting fired well, after a year bullshit. when we know that that team was terrible, it was going to be terrible, and the results were going to be the results. So I think you can do both. You can still say it's stupid that Steve Wilkes got fired in this bull and also that Cliff Kingsbury is probably going to be pretty good with Josh Rosen. It makes me nervous, though, because the, the roster is not that much better right now. Now, granted, they're going to have great draft picks, uh, at least high draft picks, they're going to have some ability to spend money in free agency. So they can make their team a lot better in offseason. But what I saw from a talent perspective on that team right now, mm-hmm. it's not very good. And even if Josh Rosen no. improves by leaps and bounds, they're going, to ha- they're going to struggle because they don't have much of a good defense right now. They don't have a lot of players around Josh Rosen that can help him. And being a second-year quarterback, even with a quarterback whisperer behind you, if you don't have the talent around you, it's a really, really tough road to hope. Yeah, so, and I want to make sure the audience knows this. We are taping this Wednesday morning. It is eleven o'clock Eastern time right now. So there has no, there's been no breaking news about who is the Browns head coach. So just in case we put this episode out and then they announce that that Natalie Least got hired as the Cleveland Browns head coach, <laughs> I want to make sure that everyone knows we did not get that information yet. And and just in case you are listening, um, yes, Natalie did interview for the head coaching position.
Listen, we got breaking news. We interrupt this program to let you know that the Browns, Chris, Chris Mortensen, the Mort Report, is reporting that the Cleveland Browns are going to announce Freddie Kitchens as the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. There's a lot of things. I'm not even saying this right because it, for context, we, we filmed this podcast. The podcast was done, and then the news broke. So we are adding this in. Freddie Kitchens is the new head coach of the Cleveland Browns. Joe Thomas, give me your immediate thoughts. Well, another head coaching uh, vacancy that yours truly has uh, correctly assigned the mm. coach to. And I'm starting to wonder if maybe I'm like the Scott Boris agent you of are. NFL coaches because I just keep getting these uh, things right. But uh, all joking aside, I think it's a tremendous hire. It seems like it is the perfect situation for everybody in that organization. They've gotten a chance to see Freddie Kitchens, see his personality, see how he leads, see what his offense looks like. And they've gotten a full year uh, trial run, which is great. You know, Um, I think when you hire a head coach, there's so many unknowns, but when you hire a guy from within your organization, a lot of those unknowns are gone and out the window. Now, clearly when he takes over as the head coach, it'll be a role he hasn't had before. So mm-hmm. there's still some some question marks, but it's going to be a lot less than if you go outside the organization and hire somebody. Plus, they've got an opportunity to keep this momentum going. The momentum that they build during the season, the goodwill that they've built between Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield, this gives Baker an opportunity in his second season to not have to start all over again with a new head coach in a new offense. And the big question that remains for me is who is Freddie Kitchens going to hire as his defensive coordinator? Greg Williams, The obvious right? answer is going to be Greg Williams. It's always a little bit tricky when you interview somebody for your head coach or when he's been the interim head coach to go and basically demote him and put him back to being a defensive coordinator. But a guy like Greg Williams, who has as much experience as he does in the NFL, who's been a head coach before, who seems to be very happy and satisfied in Cleveland. He loves Cleveland. He loves coaching for the Browns. It seems like him and Freddie Kitchens worked really well together. Mm -hmm. If anybody could make it work, you would think Greg Williams would be the guy that could step back and become that defensive coordinator again and keep this good feeling moving that they've got right now in Cleveland you know what I I think it's good man maybe that's what took so long maybe they're trying to work that out like maybe they're trying to to secure Greg Williams as the defensive coordinator to stay there with Freddie Kitchens keep things in place the Browns played really really good down the stretch and for a guy like Baker Mayfield who broke rookie records and exceeded everybody's expectations it was super important to the organization to keep that in place keep that environment where he thrived just the way it is give him another year to develop give him another year to grow build the chemistry with the coaches, with the players, and everybody who bought in. And things are looking up for the Cleveland Browns. I'm really excited about this hire. I think they made the right move. We said it from the beginning that, you know, it's a it's a hard, hard thing to win in Cleveland. As two guys who play for this organization, who are still very close to the organization, we've seen coaches come in and out, players in and out, um, front office guys in and out, and no one has had the ability to successfully win in that organization. So, when these guys put together the resume they did at the end to show, hey, we have the formula, it's hard to go against that. You don't go outside of that and go higher an unknown. You go with the people who have proven and have on their resume that they have won in Cleveland. Um, yeah, we got a baker in the kitchens in, uh, in, in Cleveland, just the way it should be. It just makes too much sense. So the thing I like uh, also about kitchens is the fact that he's a running backs coach because so much emphasis is put on the passing game and these quote-unquote offensive minds and offensive play callers. And the thing that I noticed when he became the offensive coordinator is that he started to use the running backs, which was 
probably the, the strength position of the Cleveland offense. He started to use him in the passing game. The run game got better because he is so in tune with the running game. And this is still NFL football. You still have to be able to run the ball. That was the issue they had in the Vikings with DiFilippo. He is not an, uh, an expert in the run game. And although they're passing all over the place, it wasn't good for their football team. The Cleveland Browns, that took pressure off of Baker to have a sound run game, to have running backs who were active in the passing game, and to get creative the way that – Freddie Kitchens did with the screens and the the zone reads and all of that stuff. It helped Baker. It opened things up. It made it more simple for him, and he was able to execute his skills, his skill set, and really just kind of take over the the remainder of his rookie year. So that's what I'm most excited about. It's an offensive quote unquote guru, nonetheless, just in a non traditional way that people talk about it. So shout out to Kitchens. Shout out to the Browns. You finally got your guy. My final thoughts on this is the Browns better be getting a digital copy of Freddie Kitchen's head because they're going to need it because in about 15 years, there's going to be a statue of Freddie Kitchen's <laughs> oh. outside the stadium. You heard it here first because when you look at this job opening, there has never been a more attractive or a be- never been a table more well set for success yep. than the Cleveland Browns job right now. You look at having a second-year franchise quarterback, the best rookie quarterback in NFL history. Mm. You talk about a Hall of Fame pass rusher, a Pro Bowl rookie cornerback, mm. hundreds of millions. They've got thousands and thousands of millions of coffee makers worth of dollars mm. saved for free agency to spend. And a Haslam's uh, and the ownership group that wants to spend that money an offensive line that was one of the best offensive lines down the stretch this season. Yes. A defense that can ball out. Dude, this is outrageous you know how good ha- this job is. And now they got a guy that's been there and that's been doing that for the last few games as the head coach. Get him the statue right now. Two things. One, it's only going to take a playoff appearance to get him a statue. We go to the playoffs, they're going to – I don't know. I think the expectations have changed all of a sudden, though. I don't know. He'll have a statue halfway through his first year as a head coach. When they they win eight games, he's getting a statue. No, I'm kidding about that. But my my favorite part about what you said is they have an owner who's willing to spend money. When I signed with the Cleveland Browns, you know what uh, Haslam's quote to me was when we sat there and we met? What was it? He said, it may take a year, it may take three years, it may take five years. We're going to turn this organization around. He's like, and I promise you, this ain't like any place that you've probably been to or seen. We ain't trying to win the Cap Cup. We're going to pay for whatever players we need to bring in here. I'm like, not trying to win the Cap Cup was the most gangster thing I'd ever heard in my life. <laughs> like, I, w- I went, left that meeting and wanted to get that tatted on my neck. I'm like, yo, that, if that is a baller, I don't know. It, it changed my mind. I'm like, you know what? I, I got to set my goals higher because I need to be able to spend money like that. He said, I'm not trying to win the Cap Cup, buddy. We're shooting for Super Bowls. we got to get Sashi Brown on here. I know he's, he's a friend of ours. Mm-hmm. and We'd love to have him talk about his time. But one thing that was sort of an unintended consequence of his time in Cleveland is the 1-15 and and the 0-16. That was so painful. I think so much more painful than anybody could have anticipated, including the Haslams. After talking with them, they were so miserable during those two years yeah. that – now, I think what that means is now that they see, they can taste that success, mm. they've seen a little bit of it, they're willing to do 
anything, anything to get it, right? It makes you so hungry from an ownership standpoint after going through the misery of 1-15 and 0-16 and and that even though those purse strings were pretty loose beforehand oh. because when they, they took over, they had a lot of money that they could spend on this team and then they were motivated to make the Browns a winner. That went up by like tenfold Jeez. when you go through such pain. And this is just going to be outrageous. They're going to make it rain so hard in free agency. Make it rain on anything that can get them over the hump. And we are so close, man. Joe, we honestly might get a call. I don't know what they're going to bring us in to do, but if they're spending money, I feel like we got to go get some more of it. Not playing. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. You're like 137 pounds. You can do nothing for the Cleveland Browns. (laughs) Um, Golly, they'd be better off putting Bob Wiley in the slot right now. (laughs) <laughs> than me out there trying to get open. Uh, and he's in a hospital bed. I just talked to him a couple of days ago. He's still rehabbing his uh, surgeries Ooh. from that uh, dislocated ankle. So uh, his hover round probably moves much quicker than you do right now. Oh, Let's easily. just put it that way. Easily. This is the official podcast of uh, Bob Wiley. So, you know, Bob, we hope you get better soon, man. We love you. Can't wait to have you on. Well, I think that does it for our breaking news. Now let's get back to our already recorded podcast that – we interrupted. Well, how do we feel about the NFL's new, oh, we want an offensive mind trend in the NFL? Like, obviously, people are, are knocking that store down, but you look at Cliff Kingsbury. You talked about the McVay tree on, on Twitter a little bit, Joe, or the quote-unquote Shanahan tree that you said was also Bill Walsh's tree, which I said was which also was really Paul, Brown. Paul Brown's tree, which is <laughs> ultimately Adam and Eve's tree. Um <laughs> And it goes on. Everybody and on goes and on. back to Abraham in the end. <laughs> yeah, it all goes back to, <laughs> to to the man upstairs. So we you talked about the tree of like offensive minds. How do you feel about that trend? Because for a while, it was defensive coaches that everybody yeah. was looking to as their head coach. So I, I'm I feel like on the Tomahawk show, we were the first ones that said, "Hey, you really want to look to make an offensive mind your head coach?" Because in today's NFL, it's so offensive driven. Mm-hmm. It's quarterback driven, at least in the last. I would say seven to 10 years in the NFL. You got to have a great offense if you want to have consistent success. Yep. All NFL owners, GMs, they're looking for consistent success, right? If you have one or two bad years, you get fired. So you got to be consistently good. And you can't do that strictly on defense because in order to have a great defense, you got to keep 11 players together consistently because an offense, or excuse me, a defense is only as good as your weakest link. If you can't stop the run, teams are going to just run the ball on you. If you can't stop the pass, that's the worst case scenario because teams are going to score 40 on you every single week. If you have a quarterback, there's no defense for a good quarterback that throws the ball on time where it's supposed to be accurately. So that's what everybody is searching for because once you get that good quarterback, you can do the Aaron Rodgers and pay him $30 million a year and you can get a couple good weapons around him and you're going to be good pretty much every year. That leads to job security. That leads to a happy fan base. Life is good. So we here on the Tomahawk Show recognized mm-hmm. that and said, you need to hire an offensive mind who has a good, smart offensive system, who can groom your quarterback, who can turn it into a good offense. Because if you try to do the defensive approach where you make a defensive coach your head coach, as soon as your offense has success, assuming you hire a good offensive coordinator, now that offensive coordinator is going to go and become a head coach somewhere else. And you're stuck with the Atlanta Falcons situation where they had Kyle Shanahan as the offensive coordinator. He leaves. Now they're stuck. Do we want to keep the same offense, which was wildly successful, and just bring in somebody else to try to run Kyle's offense, which never works? Mm -hmm. Or do we make everybody learn a different offense and hope we can get that magic again? 
So because of that, everybody's going with the offensive head coach mindset recently. But I will say, typically in the NFL and in life, like the stock market, you're rewarded for going against the grain, for doing the opposite of what everybody else is doing. Why is that? It's because once everybody's identified the few things that are really valuable, now that that market for whatever that is becomes too hot. Just like the the dot-com bubble. Or the the Natalie Lee Twitter account. Whatever. Yeah, the Natalie Lee. Like that's her philosophy. Go against the grain. Now people are paying too much for that asset, whatever that is. And I think Bill Belichick has been a great coach throughout the years for doing that very thing. He identified early on that everybody was playing 4-3 defenses. And you could get 3-4 outside linebackers for really cheap guys that were good, that could play. And so he started the 3-4 on defense. As soon as everybody switched over and realized, oh, the 3-4 is better. Now he went back to the 4-3 because he realized he could get 4-3 guys cheap. So Mm -hmm. anyways, the long story short with all of that is – Right now, it might be a good time to look for a defensive head coach because nobody's valuing it, and you might be able to get a really, really good head coach a la a Bill Belichick who can put in place a really good system who can develop a good offensive system around whoever you have with smart offensive minds that he can groom within that system so that even if that offensive coordinator leaves, you got people to replace him to keep the same system that understand the details that can keep continuing to grow with that quarterback and that offense. And you talked about it just like what you said. I mean, and the Packers hired Matt LaFleur, who was the offensive coordinator with the Tennessee Titans for one season there, and I, and I think that might this was I think this was Matt's first year calling plays. Now we know Matt because again we are are we members of the Shanahan tree? What tree are you do you identify under, Joe? I honestly, when we are hired a, Kyle you, Shanahan, go ahead. I was excited because I felt like it was the last offensive system on earth that I had not played in, and once <laughs> I checked that box, I had been in every tree and every system known to man. So you are a little bit of everybody. You sprinkle your pollen all over the place. Okay, well. I consider myself offensively the Shanahan system because that's where I played my best football. I was like a huge fan of it. Obviously, we're really good friends with Shanahan and all those coaches and everybody that kind of affiliated with him because of, you know, the the mutual respect we had for him. And Matt LaFleur is one of those guys. His brother Mike used to coach at the Cleveland Browns as well. Really close with Mike. I always call them uh, grad assistants because that's what they call them in college. But in the NFL, I think you're considered a quality control yeah, either on offense or defense or special teams. Well, you've been living. It's also you've been living under a rock. Hawk, I was just I was just gonna say it's it's crazy how many like coaching names have been a part of the Browns at some point. Like I didn't realize Matt e- Eberflus had already had been like a linebackers coach yep. for the Browns. Oh yeah, at I had time. Him. Yep. Like everybody that's name is coming up. I'm like, oh, they're with the Browns for like two yep. years in 2008. Yeah, it's like <laughs> players. Everyone does like a bid with the Browns. Everyone does. Everyone all, does a everybody bit fails time. with no, the Browns and goes somewhere else and has great success. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this Tomahawk got the, the, this Tomahawk this whole show got started except for Joe Joe stays to the end he was bad throughout his whole career and then the whole Just franchise turns around that's how it works for Joe <laughs> they got better with I'm a magic left. man so yeah I mean but Mike LaFleur is now the passing game coordinator in at San Fran I don't know if you knew that or not Joe he's now I didn't know that I knew he was the quarterback or the receivers coach yep. but I did not know he was considered the passing game coordinator which doesn't surprise me because it's really Kyle's everything out there it's kind of, i'm sure he's the game plan guy but being the passing game coordinator i'm sure he's the one that breaks down the film and brings the initial assessment of all right here are the concepts we think can work really good this week kyle what do you think right 
Yeah, no, I mean that's exactly what it is. So I don't know. There's been some 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 talk that he may go to Green Bay with his brother, which would obviously make sense, but that he could also stay with Kyle. So Matt is now the head coach. He is tasked with getting Aaron Rodgers back on track. Again, that offense, I think Aaron Rodgers will kill. Um, the only issue I have with it is that the offense is really, really easy for quarterbacks. It's what drove RG3 and the Shanahan's away from each other is because RG3 wanted to have more control of the offense. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty. He even acknowledged he probably went about that the wrong way. But as a quarterback, you want to have control of where to throw it. You want to be able to sit back in the pocket and do this and do that. Aaron Rodgers is very much that kind of guy. He's not only that kind of guy. He's very capable of making his own decisions. But that offense, there's like, they're very, very clear answers for everybody on the field. There's never a gray area of where to go to, where to throw it, you know, what route to run, what guy to block. There's not, it's, it's not up to your discretion. It almost that's tells you good. exactly what to do. I don't know if that's going to bode well for Aaron Rodgers. Hmm. He, Interesting. He, I, I, I disagree. I think Aaron's going to like that because he's going to have answers for everything when he goes out there. But the, the cool part about that Kyle Shanahan offense is that's the foundation. But mm-hmm. then from there, you can build on top of it with other things. And that's what's great, I think, to me about Aaron and Matt coming together is both those guys have backgrounds in very different offenses. And I think you can mesh and meld those two together very nicely. And I think even though you're going to see most of the Shanahan concepts in the offense – I think you can build on top of it with what Aaron has done successfully throughout his career and what he knows works for him and a lot of the guys that are on that roster. All right, guys, let's take a quick break to talk about our friends over at Toyota. Toyota isn't just a car company, and the new podcast, Toyota Untold, isn't just about cars. It's about mobility. It's about overcoming challenges, like me trying to ease up on the soda. It's about helping people move physically, socially, and emotionally. It's about finding solutions like we try to do for Nat's horrible hot takes, to no avail. When you think Toyota, you think sustainability, triumph, facing fears, celebrating life, and rethinking what's possible. In Toyota Untold, you'll hear unique and insightful behind-the-scenes stories, such as how a son's love for his mother led to Toyota's unlikely origin as an automated loom company, why and how a Toyota Tundra was used to tow a space shuttle through the streets of L.A., and how robotics other advanced technologies and mobility services are being researched and developed to address the challenges for the elderly, disabled, and even Olympic and Paralympic athletes. Discover how Toyota is rethinking mobility in the brand new podcast, Toyota Untold. You can find Toyota Untold right now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. All right, now let's get back to the show. Here's where I think the offensive mind bubble is going to burst. These are people who are very, very good X's and O's, guys. These are people who understand offensive football. They understand quarterback play. They can mentor and develop quarterbacks at the next level. If, As a head coach, though, you are to command a room. You have to uh, understand the entire team. You have to be able to you know, f- foster relationships. You have to be able to motivate. That's where I feel like some of these offensive minds, I don't know which one it is, and I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but – that's what makes me nervous when you look at some of these res- these short resumes. Um, now they're going into, again, be over top of an entire team of grown men who make more money than you. 
That is a tough spot to be in. That is a tough spot to motivate in. That is a tough spot to gain control and gain respect in. People do it, but if you lose it quick. If what you're preaching, what you are doing does not turn things around at the rate that you say it's going to. So that'll be the biggest question for me. And when that happens, I mean, defensive guys, the reason why they are a little better head coaches, I don't want to say better head coaches, but they command a room better because defensive personalities are typically – a lot more out there. They're a lot more aggressive by nature of their position. They're, uh, you know, you kind of have to shake a guy and say, hey, this is what you're going to do. You have to be a little more hard-nosed, which is why fans and organizations like defensive guys because they know that a guy is in control who can command the respect, whether by force or whether by, you know, the way that they treat people of an entire room and entire team. I've always loved the saying, whether by hook or by crook. <laughs> I used to hear that all the time in, uh, in meetings, and it always made me laugh because I wasn't exactly sure what it meant, but it sounded really cool. <laughs> but I will, I will uh, piggyback on what you just said, which is cliche. Um, defensive coaches and getting defensive guys to play is so much more about motivating because what makes a good defense? Flying to the ball, discipline, tackling, playing hard. Like those are kind of the things that make you a good defense. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a schematic and X's and O's part, but it's a much smaller part of it than offensive football. Offensive football is all about matchups, X's and O's, scheme, technique, details. And then like a small part of it is, all right, you got to play hard, right? Right. But like playing hard enough on offense is kind of a given. Now it's a little bit tougher for a receiver because you're not getting the ball on every time and, and on every play. So for an offensive receiver, it's like, eh, you know, I'm not getting the ball here. I can jog. But pretty much every other position on the field on on an offensive side, you have to go hard or you're going to be completely embarrassed and somebody's going to get hurt. As an offensive lineman, you got to give your best effort or the guy you're trying to block is going to kill somebody. And you get exposed after one time. As a quarterback, it goes without saying. A running back, you're going to get murdered if you have the ball in your hand and you're not giving your best effort. If you're if you're blocking as a, as a running back, sometimes we see those guys give a little bit less than their best effort, and the quarterback gets murdered, and that guy gets cut right away. So, offensively, it kind of goes without saying that you have to play hard. So, with that being said, a defensive coach is much more capable because he's much more used to being in that situation where you have to motivate guys every single day, and it's much more rah rah. And I think that's why typically we've seen. CEO types come from that defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. But I think when you're hiring a head coach, there's always a question mark. When you're hiring a defensive guy, the question mark to me is, does he have a, an offensive mind that can run a good, cutting-edge, creative, detailed offense? When you're hiring a young offensive mind, the question is, does he have the leadership motivating skills to be able to get through and motivate those guys in that locker room that need it? A lot of times, that's your receivers, that's guys on the defensive side of the ball. Can he manage? Can he lead? Like, that's the question mark. So, no matter who you hire, even, okay, let's say you hire a Bruce Arians type. The question is, is he still young and hungry enough to lead and and make the sacrifices that it takes to be a good head coach? So, no matter who you are, you got question marks. You just got to, when you're making that decision, decide, all right, am I comfortable enough that this question mark can get answered, even though I don't know the answer right now? I mean, Bruce Arians is a, you know, he's 
He sold me a dream. He told me the only head coaching job he wanted was the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah. and, and here he is. And then he said that about the what? The Jets. Then he coach. said about the Cardinals. Then he said about <laughs> did you, everybody. Did you guys also see Mike McCarthy now had a thing where he's like, the only job I would like to be considered for is the Jets. Okay, that's the only one. Where <laughs> yeah. Unless the Browns the, offer me. After the Browns yeah. essentially put his interview on hold, it uh, cracks me up. <laughs> that's pretty funny. I, I did find that pretty funny, too. All right, Joe, the phones are ringing, man. I think we got a call coming in. We got my man Jay Ajayi joining us here on the Tomahawk Show. Jay, how you doing, man? Doing good. Thank you guys for having me on the show today. Of course. How How is the knee rehab coming? I know you, you injured yourself early on in the season. Obviously, we can all see the the disadvantage the Eagles have been in without you in the running game. But tell <laughs> us, give us an update on how your injury rehab is coming. Yeah, I mean, it's been going good. You know, I had my um, surgery in the middle of October, so I'm coming up on about three months now. Um, but, yeah, just been putting my head down and grinding every day. And, uh, you know, it's exciting for me at the same time just because, you know, my team's still in the mix, and so I'm just cheering on the guys. And, um, you know, it's, it's just uh, – it helps motivate me, you know, to want to get back out there on the field. So um, it's just been really fun, and I'm excited to get down to New Orleans and, uh, and you know, get, get this – this win how involved have you been with the team i know i've been on ir once in my career and uh, i tried to stick around and help the guys as much as i could with uh film and getting prepped and some of the practice stuff and i still traveled with the team so how involved have you been uh since you've been rehabbing that acl yeah i mean uh as soon as i tore my acl i basically flew out to florida for surgery and then um you know for for, through discussions with uh, Howie and everyone, uh, they kind of let me be able to uh, come out here to Los Angeles and do my rehab uh, with the person that I wanted to uh, basically do my ACL rehab through. And so because of that, I've kind of been away, um, you know, living in California now. But what I've been able to do is, you know, we have a running back group chat and, uh, you know, our running back coach, Deuce Staley, he's in it as well. So, you know, just always, being in touch with those guys, um, you know, being in constant communication. Um, I've been to already a, a few of the games this pe- since my sur- surgery, so constantly just being a face. And there's kind of like a thing where every game I've been to, you know, we've won. So every time I show up, they're like, <laughs> they just keep showing up, you know, because every time I come, it's like they say uh, I bring good energy and stuff. So I've been, you know, enjoying that, and hopefully I can do that again this weekend. Absolutely. So you get to go to the game. That's awesome. Um, it seemed like last year your team really embraced that role of being underdogs and and uh, the dog masks and all the things that went along with it. Uh, do you feel that the team has kind of embraced that underdog mentality again during this year's playoff run? Uh, I don't even think it's uh, an underdog mentality now because I think at the end of the day, yeah, that was like our, mon- our mantra last year of the underdog. I think now – it was just all about getting into the playoffs. And we believe in, in, in our team. And it's like now you kind of see we have, like, this swagger, you know. And I think you've kind of seen over the past couple of weeks, but we've been bringing out this ski mask. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like <laughs> I think we kind of feel like, you know what, we weren't supposed to be here. We kicked the door down, and now we're here. You know what I'm saying? And it's like on some, you know, like take no prisoners kind of thing, you know, like by any means necessary. And I think that that's kind of like 
the the swag that you see the Eagles kind of carry right now is ski matching. You know, we're just on like a real hungry, like you know, we're out for blood kind of mentality. So I'm excited to see us go down to New Orleans. You know, they they gave us you know a good game. You know, and, and beat us pretty good. So yeah. you know, we got to come with it this weekend. You got to come with it, man. And I know you're you're rehabbing your injury, but a year ago after you guys won the Super Bowl, and we talked about this before, but a fan ate poop on the ground and to celebrate <laughs> the Eagles win. <laughs> Would you be willing to eat some street poop if it guaranteed you another Super Bowl ring? <laughs> <laughs> this is I'm putting you on the spot. We're going to see what kind of commitment uh, you have I mean, in your organization. Hey, I think you should ask Zoe that question because I know he I know he would do it. Oh, absolutely. But I would do it without I would definitely do it. I would definitely. For what? For definitely what? do it. That, oh, okay, well, that. that shows you how committed he is to the Eagles organization. Mm, love uh, it. I ain't playing. <laughs> you ain't joking. So we, we've seen like Foles come back in and do a lot of the same things he was doing last year when he took help lead you guys to a Super Bowl victory. What is it about Foles that makes the team kind of rally around him and up their play? I think it's just, you know, believing in You know, everyone just believes in him, and he believes in himself. You know, he's been there before. He's done it before. So it's like the complete composure. So, I mean, you saw it on the fourth down throw, the golden and all that. You know, it's very composed and just, you know, we can just count on him. So I think it's just about everyone just doing their job, you know, letting nine do his thing, and, and let's just play team ball. You know, and I'm excited to see what we do. You guys got some uh, characters in that locker room, you know, some guys in that offensive line that like to talk. You brought in Golden Tate this year. Who do you think is the biggest character in the Eagles locker room? Biggest character? Oh, I mean, you got, obviously, you got Chris Long and Lane. I think those two guys, <laughs> for sure, um, you know, are up there, absolutely. Then, I mean, we got, Jalen with the green hair and you know Kelsey with the with the suit on Super Bowl. So we got we got a lot of great, like you said, we got a lot of great personalities in our locker room, with, which makes it really fun, you know, to play with those guys. Dude, being in the locker room, that was the one thing I missed the most. There was always great stories about guys going after each other, especially in training camp. You got any good stories from the Eagles locker room where guys were just going after each other, either after practice or uh, on those Friday afternoons when everybody's got a little bit more energy and a little bit more time on their hands? I would say, you know, just, I mean, look at our O-line and D-line, you know. Those guys across the board, we got some beasts, you know. And so those guys are always getting into it from BG and Lane to Fletch and Kelsey you know, we got uh, Timmy on the line, too, with Big Brooks and, and all those guys. It's, you know, it's a constant battle in training camp. So there were always, you know, sparks flying, you know, when, when we get to those contact periods. You know how that goes. Tell me this. You, you're, you're a free agent this offseason. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So, A, do you need an agent, number one? And number two, <laughs> what are you looking forward to most in – uh collecting all of this money that they're about to throw at you i mean you know obviously for me it's it's about getting healthy first that's my main priority mm -hmm. um you know getting back out onto that field um you know enjoying this this last you know you know this season with the eagles and then just seeing what happens after that you know you're just gonna gloss over the fact that i offered to be your agent 
<laughs> well, I have one, you know. Oh, okay, okay, I, okay. I, I, okay. I, ain't, I ain't trying to. I ain't trying to disrespect my guy out there. You know? I got you. I got you. I got you. I probably wouldn't but, be any um, good for you anyway, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I've just enjoyed this time with them. And then, you know, at, at free agency, that's, that's I guess, kind of like a fun part. It kind of like being courted again. Obviously, you know, the, the, you got to wait and see, you know, who wants you and, and see that kind of stuff. But, you know, I'm kind of excited for it. I think I've, hopefully position myself to to gain some credibility in this league. And it's just about, again, just getting healthy, you know, because I, yeah. I know I still got a lot more to do in this league and showcase. And I'm excited about about uh, what my opportunities hold for me in the future. Right, right, right. And, I mean, talk about, like, what are the, some of the differences between the last team you were on and, and, and the Eagles organization? Yeah, I mean, obviously just – two completely different, uh, you know, lifestyles and, and locations and culture in general. Right. But uh, just from, you know, being on the Eagles, I just, you know, I've enjoyed the welcoming, you know, uh, feeling as soon as I got in the door and everyone was able to give me a clean slate, regardless of what was said from the past or whatever. So it was just a amazing experience, you know, from the time I stepped in very first class organization from from uh, top to bottom so i'm definitely was very grateful that you know my career let me play for the eagles did you feel vindicated at all because i remember like reading the headlines about you in miami and and i'm like man this dude is a baller and you know i mean I, i've been in that situation and i've seen it with other players that you know like there is reports out about what this guy is like in a locker room or what this kid is doing and then you know, as time pro goes on, it, it shows that it wasn't the player at all. And I felt like that was a situation with you when you got to Philadelphia. You know, that wasn't the report. It, nobody said that. And you had a, a tremendous amount of success. So did you feel vindicated by that to show and prove to be like, look, man, I wasn't the problem. It was just people trying to place blame that wasn't mine. And, you know, the proof is in the pudding. I mean, I'll just say, one, the, the light will always show itself, mm -hmm. you know, and two, Look what just happened this past offseason. That's all I'm going to say about that. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And I've moved on from it, you know? But, you know, like I said, the light will always show itself. And, you know, results, hey, look what happened. So. Do you see any similarities between the team from last year that won the Super Bowl and this team that's making the playoff run right now? Um, I mean, it, look at it. Injuries, you just got to be resilient. And I think... Obviously, when you have a lot of key guys, like if you look at our injuries, you have a lot of key guys go down, there's going to be some growing pains for those people that just get in there. You know, it's, a lot of people might not, we're not thinking they were going to get all those reps and boom, now you get those reps, you got to learn, get that experience, and then you build that confidence, you know. And when, you know, Joe and, and Andrew, when, when you get confidence in the league, you know, you could do, you could do it. So... Now you just mm -hmm. see all those young guys getting that confidence and they're really playing together and we just believe in each other and, you know, it's exciting. When you get in the playoffs, it's, it's, it's all one game and you just got to find a way. So that's what we got to do. Yeah, I definitely can tell when you're watching the Eagles that it seems like you guys just have that confidence like, hey, we've been here before, we know what's going to happen. And I, I saw that towards the end of the season too when people were kind of counting you out 
And I said, oh, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. They've been in this situation. These guys do a great job of just playing calmly, but with a sense of urgency. And you can see that again in the playoffs. So uh, I got your back. I think you guys are going to make it to the Super Bowl again. I'm pretty excited about that. But the last question I want to ask before we let you go, I got to get your take on the Le'Veon Bell situation and what he's been trying to do, obviously for himself, but what it could potentially do for the running back position in the free agency market. Yeah, I think um... – I mean, that that whole situation, obviously, is so crazy, you know, from, you know, him making the decision, how he made the decision to, like, seeing how it, it kind of tore apart the locker room. Because, Joe, you know, running backs on those lines, we, 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 we're brothers. You know, we mm-hmm, need each other. Sure. We love on each other. And, obviously, they've had great success there. So it was, it was very unfortunate to see, you know, how that kind of came apart. And, you know, you see them kind of the conflict with that. But then you see this, the final result again, you know, they didn't make the playoffs. So in, in his corner, it's like that decision ended up showing itself, you know, mm-hmm. how his value is. So it, it's, I'm, I'm very excited to see, you know, how he does in this free agency. Obviously that ties in directly with, you know, you know what I'm doing. So it'll be interesting to see how, how that goes. And, um, you know, I wish him the best for sure. Doing the hard work for the position, man, between the money Le'Veon's going to get and the money you're going to get. Hopefully you leave some for the rest of us, Jay. We appreciate you joining us here on the Tomahawk, man. We're hoping the Eagles get this W this week and beyond to get that second Super Bowl ring without you having to eat any fecal matter, man. But again, we appreciate you joining us <laughs> on the Tomahawk. Facts. Big facts. <laughs> All right, man. Enjoy your day, brother. Thanks for coming on, All man. Right, yeah. yeah, take care. Well, there you have it. Our guy, Jay Ajayi, man, joining us here on the Tomahawk Show. Now a proud member of the Tomahawk. So his life is going to catapult into success like everybody else who joins us here on the show. Joe, we didn't even talk about the playoff games this weekend, but really, who gives a damn? It's not like we're a football podcast or anything. (laughs) We talked Eagles, so now we're pulling for them. We're easily bought for any other team that wants us to root for them. Is there any matchup this week that you are looking forward to, Joe, that you are like, man, I got to see this one? Yeah, I've been on the Chargers bandwagon since I did their game on Thursday Night Football. Yeah. And Chargers Patriots, I've always cheered against the Patriots because they're the evil empire in the NFL. Yes. And I love Phillip Rivers. I love his competitiveness. I've always felt that he's been underrated throughout his career. He's been overlooked. Same thing uh, with our guy Melvin Ingram. Mm -hmm. So I would love to see those guys get to the Super Bowl. Anthony Lynn, former Brown coach, of course, as everybody knows, Travis Benjamin. A lot of connections there between the Browns and myself. And the Chargers, so I'm pulling for them this weekend. That'll be an interesting game. A couple of old-ass quarterbacks to see who uh, can get out of their wheelchair yep. and throw enough touchdown passes to mm-hmm. win. There you go, man. And it's funny because I, I retweeted a tweet that talked about Anthony Lynn and his success with the Chargers, and they're like, why does nobody consider him an offensive mind the way he's turned around the team? And I'm like, there's only one person I've ever ca- heard call him a genius, and it was Joe Thomas, and he de- said it from day one. So, Joe, you should probably be leading mm. most of these head coaching searches. Um because I've been calling it for uh, years. You as have you can been, see. man, even before he but got nobody listens. job. Nobody listens to Joe Thomas. Well, um, games I'm looking forward to, I actually think the Colts have a chance to upset the Chiefs. Am I crazy? You're not crazy because the Chiefs have had a uh, sketchy history in the playoffs. And being Patrick Mahomes, uh, a young quarterback, first time in the playoffs, a lot of times that doesn't work so well. Yeah, so we we'll haven't see. done our picks yet. 
we haven't done picks in a long time, and there's only four. We games. haven't done picks since like week two. Yeah, so it's only, there's only four games. It'd be a good. This would be a good game. Right. Good week to, to pick games. Are you ready? Give me your four. I got Chiefs. Uh huh. I got Rams. Mm-hmm. I got Chargers, and I got Saints. Gotcha. I got I got Colts, Rams, Patriots, Eagles. I'm going Eagles over. The I'm Saints. cheering Eagles, but I think the Saints are going to beat them. That's a yeah, tough well, place to play. Yeah, well, Jay, Ajay, if you're still tuning in, if, you're, if your phone is just on mute and you're still on the line, <laughs> I want you to know who really cheers for you, and it's me. <laughs> fly, Eagles, fly. There you All go. Right, I think that does it for today's Tomahawk Show, man. We appreciate everybody tuning in. As always, make sure you subscribe wherever podcasts are available. Rate us five stars. Hit us up on social, at Tomahawk Show on Twitter, Instagram. We're over a year old now, so we're off the breast milk. We're on to full-on just – Mm. up and down milk straight out the freezer um mm. and we're growing every single year getting better getting bigger and all of that verb what are you laughing at it's true i can't <laughs> i'm sorry i tried i tried to contain it but man hawk you are uh, you brought your a-game today. you know I'll what we that. weaned we're weaned off and we're, we're ready to go i'm gonna give the floor to anybody have final thoughts here I'm not yeah, just I'm giving still, it to Joe anymore. I'm still sucking if, on the colostrum uh, because it's really good for you. It's high in protein. I see go. Nat is looking up the word colostrum right now, which yep. uh, is probably a good thing. She doesn't know anything about that stuff. Yeah, I think that's a stadium in Rome. <laughs> so, again, we appreciate you joining us here on the Tomahawk. Uh, yep. Till next time. Nat, take us out. Joe Hawk yourself. <laughs>